Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Screaming Chewy Show Podcast. This is your host, Chewy, and I'd like to invite, uh, welcome a special guest here, Jeremy. So Jeremy, um, what do you think about this whole crisis going on? Uh, any thoughts here? Um, yeah, it's definitely a problem. It's a long, going to be a long-lasting problem, um, and it's one that I think we're trying to manage, but I don't think we're doing as well as uh, other countries have been doing. Uh, countries like Germany, Finland have had a much better response than ours. Yeah, man, I agree with you. I mean, it's getting out of fucking control. And I mean, what do you think there's some things that they're doing better than than, than we are? Um, I think one of the biggest uh, problems we have was our, our failure to roll out uh, quick tests early on, our failure to uh, begin testing early on. And uh, we, we waited for people to show symptoms before we tested them. As you know, asymptomatic carriers can, of course, spread the disease without exhibiting symptoms. And that, that's what allowed this disease to um, expand so rapidly in places like New York and uh, and uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, now they're on lockdown. Yeah, um, and you'll see that happening, and you already are seeing that happen all over the country, even uh, the state that I'm in, North Carolina. We're having a shelter-in-place order now. Oh, man. Shelter-in-place order? So is that like lockdown? Yeah, that's what everybody's calling lockdown. It's a shelter in place. It essentially means like don't leave your house unless you need to get you know food or or things that are necessary, medicine, things like that. It means that all businesses are shut down, um, except you know necessities. Grocery stores are open, gas stations are open, pharmacies are open, things like that. But everything else, retailers are closed, and it's putting a tremendous drain on our economy. Yeah, same thing going on here in AZ, man. Uh, the casinos shut down, all the bars, gyms, dining areas. It's important because those are areas where, you know, virus can really spread quickly. And even with those mitigation tactics that we're using, you know, social distancing is a buzzword that you'll hear a lot. Uh, it still manages to spread. This disease is terribly infectious, more infectious than uh, almost anything we've ever seen. I mean, you have uh, one person get infected and that one person infects on average two and a half other people. It's It's got a tremendous rate of growth. Holy crap. Yeah. And so one other thing about that is um, like I was speaking about Finland and Germany earlier and they're, they're testing people and how quick those test turnaround times were. There's a lady in my state um, who did a coronavirus test and still had not received her results eight days later. Wow. So by then, she already fucking spread it to like 16 people at least, right? 
<laughs> well, you think she she uh she thankfully followed quarantine orders, so she's she's been at her house since uh, since taking the test. But but some people don't. Uh, Senator Rand Paul, for example, he uh he took the coronavirus test and then went out about his daily life. And about five days later, he got his results back after he had already used you know the congressional gym that the senators use and things like that. So he's been spreading the virus all around <laughs> Washington D.C. Fuck. Hopefully it's just two other politicians. And <laughs> <laughs> if we could only be so lucky. But yeah, it's been horribly mismanaged in our country. And we're really not going to be able to see the results of that, you know, today or tomorrow, or the next day. It's it's things that are going to happen, you know, six weeks from now where we're really going to see how horribly it's been mismanaged. Yeah, like they're saying, all oh, two week quarantine. Uh, I'm gonna I'm saying it's gonna be a lot longer than that. Oh, Certainly, yeah. I mean, minimum like shelter in place time, minimum maybe two months, maybe. Uh, if we can get everything under control, we can, you know, sort of flatten that curve. Is what they've been saying a lot. Finding out where all the cases are, finding out who the asymptomatic carriers are, getting those people to to isolate until their virus resolves, until they're no longer, you know, able to spread it. But what's more than that is if we come out of these, you know, lockdowns, these quarantines earlier than we need to, it's going to pick right back up again. Yeah, like here they closed the casinos two weeks ago, and they're already thinking about opening opening them back up two weeks from now. And I'm like, that's pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember, like, when you have this, you're able to spread it, you know, three weeks after you, um, like, after you exhibit symptoms. It's it's a really interesting interesting disease so far as uh so far as how contagious it is and they still don't classify it as airborne as a matter of fact it stays in water droplets and things like that but the world health organization and the cdc here don't classify it as airborne oh okay so that's just a rumor everybody yeah and um talking about rumors i haven't really looked into this but i heard that um part of the reason this is happening so like being handled so bad is because i heard that our president like um shut down our pandemic research or some shit like that so (laughs) it's partially true it's that's you know mixed true mixed false like almost everything so um there was a position in the chinese cdc where we had essentially a diplomat a scientist but a diplomat who functioned within their cdc to warn us about you know possible pandemics epidemics and things like that to to give us a heads up and that's one of the positions that the administration eliminated, something that really would get, have given us a heads up. Uh, you'll see a lot of talking points from the administration about the communist Chinese government and, and things like that. But but these are just talking points from people trying to score victories against China and, and rhetoric and things like that. In, in fact, uh, one of the main reasons why we have such a, a head start so far as research and development on this virus is because the Chinese scientists were able to synthesize the uh, the DNA of this virus. Uh, I believe they were they had it sent out to us on January 24th. So you have scientists in China working 24/7 trying to analyze everything they can, get all the data they can about this virus, and get it to every lab across the world. And just have every scientist, like every laboratory available, like dedicating all their resources to uh, to generating a a vaccine for this. Holy crap! <laughs> But yeah, an- another huge issue is that um, the administration really um, 
messed up when when they eliminated some of those positions from the CDC. We had uh, several pandemic response teams in different countries um, that were supposed to uh, analyze, mitigate, destroy threats, and or at least make us aware of them. And the administration getting rid of those positions is really put us in a handicapped position uh, insofar as combating this virus. Oh man, they fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it seems like that now um, because in ways they did, I, I understand why it's very easy to say, Oh, you know, we don't really need a fence that keeps tigers out if there aren't any tigers at the moment. But the second a tiger shows up, you're going to wish you had the fence. <laughs> It's expensive to maintain, but it's it's there for a reason, and you don't always learn your lessons so quickly. But this one definitely, it's right there at our door right now. That's a very good point. <laughs> and um, so so um, what do you what do you do for a living or um your line of work? If you don't mind talking about that. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, so currently I work for a European multinational. Um, I do threat mitigation, conflict resolution. Um, I can't really say much more than that. Uh, let's see. And um, yeah. so uh, you you kind of saw the, the economy kind of certain situation, right? How it's not looking very good right now, right? Well, so the thing about the economy is that it, it will come back no, ma- no matter what happens. There's, there's going to be an economy, and the economy is going to grow in the future. So it's just a matter of getting to that future and how fast we can get there. You can look at every stock downturn throughout history, you know, the Spanish flu, the pandemic in 1919, that is, um, the Great Depression, the stock market crash in 1987. Every time the market recovers and does better. Uh, it's just a matter of getting through that bull market and how long that bull market lasts. One of the thing, things that the current administration does is they'll provide a false narrative that'll give a, a boost to the stock market for a day or two, like what you saw this week. And then it'll fall, you know, three or 500 points once, once the market realizes, oh, that's not true. People aren't going to be back to work in you know two weeks. And so that market volatility is one of the things that we really try to try to get our uh, try to get a handle on and say okay this is why the market is going up today it's because trump said everybody's going to go back to work by easter and finding out that those things aren't true allows us to be ahead of that curve because we know okay after trump says this it's going to provide that level of security it's false security but it's the level of security so the stock market you know went up 500 points because of that and then the next day it's going to go down rapidly because people are going to say huh no this virus is still a threat it's still keeping people a lot of work. The economy is not going to recover by Easter, and so it's going to go. It's going to go back down. And so, being able to ride those market ups and downs is one of the things that we try to do for the company that uh, contracts us now. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So you see it way differently than other people. Everybody's panicking, but <laughs> you're like, wait, just just ride it out. Just just hang in there, right? Uh, yeah, certainly. And that's one of the things like, like not everybody can ride it out. And this is coming from a position of privilege on my part, honestly. Um, I, I don't have a family member who's sick or a family member who's super high risk or, or that's, you know, living in New York or any of the hotspot areas right now. And so that allows me to be a little bit further removed from this crisis that we're going through right now. And as it spreads, maybe I'll feel a little bit more of that, more of that panic. But right now, it's just a matter of trying to keep a level head and do the job that I have to do. And I wish everyone could keep a level head and try and, you know, work together and solve this issue. But because of 
the depth and scope of the issue. You're going to see people squabbling and people trying to put themselves ahead and make themselves look better. And jockeying for position isn't really what you need to do in a time of crisis. You know, you need to circle the wagons. You need to be real with people, pragmatic with people, because people appreciate honesty. People appreciate the truth. That's very true, man. Uh, lots of respect for honest people, you know? Of course. And um, so tell me about, um, so I had never heard about the strategic national supply. Oh, yeah. Uh, the strategic national supply, um, it's a bunch of warehouses uh, in defensive locations all across the country that keeps almost every kind of resource you can imagine stockpiled. Uh, there's oil reserves, a strategic oil reserve for you know fuel and things like that that we might need during a time of crisis. There's medical masks, respirators, pretty much all kinds of medicines and things like that that are, that are stockpiled in warehouses. And we can tap into those. The federal government can tap into those whenever they see necessary. And so during times of crisis, when our manufacturing capability is taking a hit, like like currently right now, you know, a lot of factories have been shut down because of the spread of coronavirus or the, the fear of the spread of it. Um, and so they're not operating at the maximum output or efficiency that they normally would. So being able to tap into those reserves is one of the things that's designed to take some of that strain off of our war effort against this virus. Nice. Yeah, I had never heard about those until you brought it up. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful idea um, in practice uh, and in theory, um, but how it's being used and how those resources are being doled out right now is is a little unfair. What you have is the current administration sort of playing favorites. Um, the current administration would like for for governors who are asking for help to show some level of fealty towards the president to, to give the president some some credit for giving them resources out of the stockpile and that's something that shouldn't need you know you shouldn't have to say please give us this this is something that should be offered like here your people are suffering take this this is what you need to keep these people healthy to keep these people alive and that's not what you're getting from this administration yeah, because they were they were actually built for that, right? To for this situation exactly, right? Right. Yeah, this is really why they're there for. That's that's the actual reason that we have the strategic national stockpiles and things like that in place is, is to prevent these crises from happening. And so saying things like, "Oh, well, you know, you should be thankful for what you're what you we're giving you." It's it's not ideal. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, man. So he's handling it. Well, I mean, I don't mean he. Uh, the administration, they're handling it more like a business, right? Uh, they are. Um, so there, there's an act right now. Um, it's one of the defense acts that can allow the federal government to mandate companies produce certain goods. It's, it's a wartime. It's a wartime uh, act. And they, um, they're right now today. They're forcing uh, GM to produce ventilators in their factories, which is which is good for the nation as a whole, and will be good for the world as a whole as we move out of this crisis period for us, and we're able to ship those ventilators into uh, places that have poor healthcare systems, you know, places in sub-Saharan Africa, South America, and Southeast Asia, uh, Southeast uh, Asia. I think that's amazing. I had no idea it was going worldwide. Yeah, uh, the the ventilators and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they will. Um, and and hopefully it's it's a good thing. Um, America is really built to be a leader. Um, we 
have maintained strong alliances throughout our history, or whether it's with France and you know the United Kingdom or or any other country, uh, we should want to help these countries and we should want to lead from the front and to provide as much aid as we can. Because when we make friends and we spend these dollars on diplomacy, it helps us so much more than we spend money than when we spend money on a military aid. That's a good point. I agree. And um. So do you think the so I'm seeing all these articles all over social media saying the United States has the more infections in the whole world and how we're going to be so much worse than China. I mean, I, I think there's just a big hype. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, hype how? Like they're just uh, making it seem worse than it is in the United States anyway. Well, so the United States has at, at this moment uh, at 10.04 p.m. on March the 27th, we have about 104,000 cases uh, that have been identified. Um, China, at their height, has about 81,394 cases. So we've got over 20,000 more cases than China does. Uh, we Holy have fewer shit. cases. Yeah, we have fewer cases than Italy, but things really haven't peaked to how bad they're going to be. China has flattened their curb. Uh, curve through uh through various lockdown measures china went as far as welding people inside their houses welding people's doors shut to keep them so <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> so they took the lockdown in wuhan very seriously i mean they when and when they locked down they they locked down very hard they said you know what no coming out of your houses soldiers are going to come by and provide food for you three times a day like don't worry like the government's here like we have soldiers for this we have you know biohazard teams for this and and our country is not built for that. Um, so they had drones on the streets with speakers on them shaming people when they saw them outside of their houses. And you're not going <laughs> to see that in the U.S. Um, we're, we're not built for the type of Wuhan-style lockdown that, that it took to flatten China's curve, even with these shelter-in-place orders and things like that. It, it's not going to be as uh, effective as China was. And even still, it took China two and a half months to flatten their curve to where they're finally, you know, not having that many more infections per day. Um, as of today, China had about 54 new infections, whereas the United States had uh, 15,000 today. Oh, man. So it's spreading like a motherfucker here. Yeah, it, it's spreading super quickly and when we don't effectively practice social distancing you'll see it continue to spread and you'll see you know vulnerable people continue to die and that's that's the real the real tragedy here is that a lot of younger people still even though they've seen the news they still aren't taking it seriously mm -hmm. and and i don't know how old you are but i'm a millennial i'm in you know early 30s mm -hmm. and everybody's pissed off at millennials saying that we don't care we're out partying i'm like yo it's fucking Gen Z, man. It's younger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is, you know, more the Zoomers than the Millennials, but I you can't put all the blame on them. It's 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 how they're raised and it's the type of society that we have right now. And we have a very um a society that's very quick to forget and that's very quick to not take things so seriously because, you know, when they were born, you know, they were born right during the nine 11 years, they were, you know, teens or, or, uh, you know, in their lower digits when the 2008, 2009 financial crisis happened. So they're a generation that's been exposed to trauma from the time they were born. So they're, they're really just like, Oh, another tragedy. So they, they see it and they understand, but they just don't, they don't act accordingly. 
Oh, that makes sense. I never thought about that. Yeah, it's it's just a you know depth of scope. So that explains why they're just out there yelling YOLO. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in some ways, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, man, even so, everything that's happening here, Mexico is doing the same thing. Because I guess there was rumors that they weren't taking it as seriously at first. But... Well, yeah. So Mexico is about three weeks behind us on this on this curve, um, so far as the spread goes. And it's much warmer there. And there's you know a few theories that go around like the warmer uh, a climate, the slower the disease spreads. And that's because people aren't necessarily huddled all together. People are further apart. And you can see why that would be true. And so the disease isn't spreading as fast in Mexico as it is here. At least at least there's no definitive evidence that says that it's spreading as fast. Yeah, I thought it was all the tequila killing the virus. <laughs> you know, it might have something to do with it, you know. You have the alcohol <laughs> in your mouth, the, the disease, you know, it goes in through your mouth when you breathe in. So the alcohol killing the disease, maybe. It's like, fuck Lysol and hand sanitizer. You get that Mexican <laughs> moonshine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and they're all closing the beaches down and everything. No spring break. Yeah, yeah. And so that's affecting the economy tremendously. Um. One of the big things you'll see a lot, a lot of lack of is uh, fewer construction projects. Um, and that's really the, uh, the industry that we, we look out for the most. And seeing fewer construction projects begin means fewer pieces of equipment are getting shipped around the country. And that's fewer jobs, uh, jobs for truck drivers. Truck drivers have been hit extremely hard by this crisis. Oh, man. And they're the one delivering the supplies, right? Getting all the TP in the stores. and Yeah, yeah. So that's a big part of what they do is delivering these these goods like toilet paper, like uh, produce and, and, and various food goods and things like that. But that's a tremendously small amount of all the items that are shipped on a on a daily basis. Like if you think about what people buy from day to day, you know, people are buying things like clocks things like phones things like toys or or other you know non-essential goods that's really the thing that drives our economy um but people not being able to buy those things or not being able to go to stores where they sell those things or buying those things online and whatnot is really 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 hurting the delivery business and truck drivers oh man Hmm. and then all those small you know mom and pop stores they're closing up Oh yeah, certainly. So that's going to be a huge thing that um, that really ends a lot of the last few brick and mortar, uh, last few brick and mortar sales. Like uh, there's still around where I live, there's still a video rental store, um, and it's pretty much going to end their their business because you know nobody allowed to go in now because they're not an essential essential business. Oh man, you know same thing here, right around the corner, pretty close to my house. There's a what is it called? Video Express? But yeah, just a small <laughs> video rental store. And um, uh, I'll go ahead, bro. Oh, I was going to say uh, for movie theaters, it's it's actually really tragic, too. And for uh, for movie studios, because they're having to hold off on their uh, release dates for a lot of movies. So it's pushing. <laughs> I know there's a lot of Marvel and uh, Marvel fans out there, the cinematic universe, at least. And so them having to push their movies back is going to set the cinematic universe back a few months. You're right. Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, all of those. Yeah, I'll, I'll push back a bit. Um Another thing that is really interesting to see, like you saw it with the uh, the Invisible Man. I don't know if I can drop movie titles or anything like that. Oh, go ahead, bro. 
Okay. I actually uh, wanted you... to see that movie. Yeah, because of how they advertised it. They they advertised it on Facebook. They advertised it on Snapchat. On every type of social media, you saw an advertisement for The Invisible Man. And it's because they wanted to see how well a movie release streaming could do. Uh, and this is a, a, a studio movie, not just, you know, straight. It wasn't meant to be straight to streaming or straight to your computer. But it was because of the uh, the situation now. And they're trying to see how much they can how much they can make off of just uh, streaming a release like that. Yeah, I heard they wanted to do that with Wonder Woman. They were thought, thought about releasing, releasing it uh, straight to stream, but they ended up just delaying it. Yeah, and and that might pay off more for them because uh, DC, the DC and uh, Warner Brothers they have a lot more riding on the success of their movie. Like the Invisible Man, you know nobody's really going to care about it. But but the Wonder Woman movie is a movie that's going to try and breathe some life into a uh, DC's uh, cinematic universe. Mm-hmm, for sure, and even Disney too. I heard they were coming out with a remake of The Little Mermaid, but that's been delayed. Yeah, the Mulan release has been delayed as well, I believe. Oh, man, that looked really good, too. <laughs> it does look good. And then uh, Netflix, <laughs> too. All the, yeah. They were releasing a whole bunch of stuff, too. All that's delayed now. Yeah. I'll watch. Hold on really quick. Sure. Okay, my bad, dude. Oh, you're fine. It's just my roommate. He was telling me, I guess, they ordered a lockdown for uh, most businesses here. Wow. When, when when does it uh, go into effect? I think from the 29th to uh fuck from 29th this month till April. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I actually got a letter from my job because uh, well, I'm a machinist and uh, a couple companies we work or our customers we made parts for them and I guess they're medical and they sent a letter saying they're making kits for testing for mm-hmm. viral infections. Oh, wow. I was kind of hoping I'd fucking get a two week vacation or some shit, but <laughs> 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 no, I'm, I'm actually glad I'm, I'm still working. You know, I can't work Good. from home. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to work a CNC machine in your garage, <laughs> right? My electric bill will fucking shoot <laughs> out through a fucking roof, man. <laughs> oh, oh, that's another thing though. Um, about this uh, pandemic, that's really shifted a, a tremendous burden. It's an unseen burden on a lot of people who are working from home. A lot of people who are working from home aren't sure how to uh, invoice their companies for the ink that they use or for their cell phones or personal cell phones that they're having to use from work now or for their internet bills. And so, you know, companies can be like, this is a part of working from home. Well, it isn't. Uh, companies are supposed to give you a stipend uh, to help cover some of the cost of those things. Oh, shit. I didn't think about that. Because, yeah, yeah, you're using your own personal devices, huh? Yeah, exactly. To take care of work functions. And so usually, you know, you'd be in the office and so you'd use the office printer, or the office internet, the office phones. But working from home, you don't really get the option to do those things. And a lot of, you know, workers who are familiar with working from home understand the protocols and procedures of how to um, how to send that invoice or how to send uh, how to send your company a bill for those services that they're that they're taking uh, advantage of before or, or using you're using not necessarily taking advantage of before but that you're using in order to do your job and so not being able to do that is is lifting the financial burden from your employer and putting it right on your shoulders yeah how do you get that on paper right like hey i use my internet my home internet 
for like five hours today for work or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so normally uh, companies um, that have employees that work mainly from home know how to do this, but some employers, you know, they're just completely as dumbfounded as the employees themselves. Uh, sorry, dude. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Send us a bill. Thanks. Fucking on the, on the bill. It's like premium Pornhub subscription. <laughs> Be like, yeah. I'm sorry, dude. Those research purposes, you know. <laughs> That's <would be> excellent. <laughs> Netflix. Oh. <laughs> yeah, all all the things that you can have a subscription to you, you know, Pandora, <laughs> your Spotify, all that. Hey, why not, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's on the yeah. company's dime this month. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, some people like taking dumps at work. You know, that way you get paid for it. Yeah, yeah, that five minutes of solitude, it it, it matters. And when you're in a toilet paper crisis, <laughs> you can save toilet paper and just That's hold it right. in until you go to work. <laughs> exactly. You get there, prairie dog, and you're, you're about to go to the bathroom. They're like, hold on, company <laughs> meeting. Oh, fuck. It's going to have to wait, Janet. <laughs> I'm prairie dogging here. I can't. <laughs> get out of my way. <laughs> That's excellent. I mean, good thing that the human body is amazing. And we have these, like, <laughs> warning mechanisms. You know, like, when you got to take a dump and you get the chills, you know yeah. you have to go. Like, yeah. It's go time. Yeah, you start to get goosebumps. You're just like, all right, <laughs> held it long enough. Like, you could hold it in, but once you get the goosebumps, oh, shit, man. <laughs> you better it. go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, man. So, I mean, I know we're getting a little off topic, but you know, it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so, what do you think of this whole situation? How do you think? I mean, of course, we're handling it not as best. You know, we could do a better job. What do you think we could improve on as a nation to handle this better? I mean, it's easy to sit here in the comfort of my living room and say hey we should do this better or or we should do that better um one of the things that we really need to do more of though is is testing Uh, we need to do more testing we need to have at-home testing kits so people who know think they might have it can test themselves um that's a good idea yeah, and that has to be funded by the federal government. We can't, you know, rely on on some people. I mean, there there are people out there who can't afford an at home testing kit. You know, if, even if it's thirty or forty dollars, people who are waitresses, people who have lost their jobs and things like that, they they need this service provided to them, and it needs to be done in mass for all three hundred and you know thirty five million Americans. Do you think they'll start doing testings like on the road, like DUI checkpoints? Um, I don't think it'll be as invasive as a DUI checkpoint I think it'll be something that you'll be able to drive up to testing centers I think you'll be able to like not have to leave your car I think a nurse will walk up to you and you'll spit in a cup or they'll do the the swab either in the back of your throat or in your nose to test for um to test for the virus man what if like I don't know, just, just you saying the back of your throat, that just made me want to cough right there. You know? <laughs> well, they have to, they have to hit the, the back of your throat to be able to get um, cultures, I believe. I mean, what if you do that and you, like, cough on her, like, as a reaction? <laughs> well, they have face shields and, and, you know, lab coats and things like that and gloves that are, that are protecting them. So they should be okay. They should be okay. Nice. 
Yeah, that's a really great idea, at-home testing, because that way you don't have to go out nowhere and spread it if you have it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's one of the things that um that Bill Gates has really thrown a lot of money behind researching is at-home testing kits for this virus. So, I he's a he's a person who's been worried about a pandemic for years and years. I think about five years ago he did a TED talk where he warned us. You know, he said um, like we're really unprepared for another pandemic, and and he was right. Um, he he has a lot of good foresight. Didn't his company? Did doesn't he have a company that? That did like a simulation for a pandemic. Called, um, like, called what? It's something twenty one. I'm unsure. He he might. I don't. I know very little about it. <laughs> I think it's called Simulation Twenty One. I heard something like that, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm just I, I don't know exactly what I haven't looked into it, but it's just what I heard. Hmm. But um, what do you think about all these CEOs backing out of these big companies, man? Like Bill Gates. <laughs> you know, I don't know enough about it. Um, but CEOs backing out of companies is is something that happens during economic crises. I don't think it's necessary necessarily um a portender of doom. I don't think it's gonna, you know, spell annihilation. I don't think that they think the ship is sinking and so they've got to jump off. I think it's just something that happens when profits start to to dry up and and their careers aren't as lucrative as as they used to be. Their bonus packages start to you know evaporate. I see. So it's it's mainly a financial thing, not necessarily a, a sign of the end times. Yeah, I started thinking like, oh fuck, man, they know it's going <laughs> down. We're fucked. <laughs> No, and and it's good for that to happen every now and then. It's good to get new blood into those positions of power. It allows for new ideas, and it, it you know it's out with the old that we've already tried, and in with the new. So hopefully, we get a lot of people in those companies with good ideas. Hey, that's a that's a good point. Yeah, you know, because there's many companies that you know the the owners or the boss they're just stuck in their old ways, and they don't want to try anything new. Yes, that true. could really hurt the company. It it does. I mean, it holds you back. It keeps you from adapting and evolving. Um, I mean, there's a lot to be said for the guy who's been doing the job for for 20 years. Um, you know, he's been on the floor. He knows how the factory works backwards and forwards. And promoting someone like that is is an excellent choice when you can. Um, you really like to see that instead of just hiring somebody new right out of college to be the boss of 20 or 30 people who doesn't know anything about how the factory works. <laughs> And you know what? You're gonna laugh, but I've seen that happen. I've seen, yeah. I've seen shops hire somebody they just got out of college. They've never ran a machine. They don't know how things work, how to check things. And these are critical dimensions. They go in aircrafts, lasers, you know, missiles, and and they'll get somebody that that's got a you know a diploma, but they've never been in a shop, and he's in charge of you, but he's constantly asking you questions like, yo. Shouldn't I be asking you questions? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so a lot of that is they're they're trying to think critically, but they don't necessarily have the depth of knowledge required to do the job at that point. And so as they age and as they learn more about the job, they generally get better. However, it still takes them a while to even get up to the same skill level as the person who's been doing the job for you know twenty or thirty years. Hmm. Because you could read about how to fix a car, but once you start doing it, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, my dad always says anybody can open the hood of a car. <laughs> yep. But knowing how to diagnose those problems and how to actually work on it's a totally different story. 
And, you know, and, and being in the age of YouTube, like, it does help. But, like, for example, <laughs> my truck, the fucking power steering holes busted. And uh-huh. I bought the hoses. And I'm like, I'll just look it up on YouTube. And that's uh-huh. it. So I looked it up. And the guy, he's like, this is how you replace the hose. And uh-huh. so he's explaining how to do it. And, like, but he already has, like, shit taken apart. And there's, like... I'm like, how the fuck did he get in there? Like, what do he take apart? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's excellent. So I just got pissed off and I still haven't fixed it. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, you know, you sure bring me a lot of hope, man. I've been a little like, fuck, dude, we're all fucked. We're all going to die. Probably because I watched that movie Contagion. <laughs> yeah don't do that don't don't watch movies about pandemics because they'll freak you out um there there are three ways though that this is gonna end um so there's herd immunity and that's where about 70 or 80 percent of the population gets infected and what we'll try to do with that it'll try to spread the the rate of infection over about two years so it grows but slowly enough so it doesn't overwhelm our healthcare systems right now that we have set up and that's what we're i think that's what we're aiming for and so after that there's got to be there's possibly a vaccine that might be out in the next six to 18 months and other than those two outcomes, the only other choice is for us to find and isolate every case of this disease around the world until they're resolved. Damn, holy fuck. So that's the three ways that this is going to end. <laughs> the timetable is not, you know, weeks or, or months. It's, you know, up to a year, two years. And, um, you know, when you're talking about how in China, how they literally welded people in their homes. Yes. Um, that kind of reminds me of a last episode I did. I had a guest, Roderick Edwards, and he was telling me about the Black Plague mm-hmm. and how in those days they would like lock you and your family in the house and light your house on fire. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that's not what we're trying to do now. <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we don't want to do that. <laughs> We've grown since then. We're we're not the people we used to be. Yeah, we've matured. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, The style of lockdown, though, that we'll have to do to prevent the the growth of this virus from becoming something we can't handle is – I hope it is not beyond – beyond what we can accomplish but i fear that it might be that's my biggest fear about this is that we won't take it seriously enough we'll get rid of these shelter in place orders sooner than we need to and the virus will expand and spread more quickly than our healthcare systems can adapt to yeah yeah man (laughs) Like, like here in arizona so we're not in quarantine but that social isolation is uh Mm -hmm. advised Mm -hmm. but a lot of people are putting up all over Facebook how, you know, we have like desert trails and scenery and a lot of people are meeting up at these places, like a fucking whole crowds of people and people are pissed off. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, stop. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, I think pretty soon we're going to go on lockdown here. I I think Mm -hmm. it's just inevitable. Yeah. So, yeah, man, you know, it's crazy how you were comparing the numbers from China to here. Like, I had no idea. I thought it was, like, much lower here. Holy fuck, man. Yeah, 104,000 cases so far in the U.S. Damn. 
<laughs> yeah, that's just the ones that we know about um, so far, and we haven't flattened our curve enough to to really be on par with China's growth level. Like I said, China just reported fifty four new cases today. We reported you know fifteen thousand. So holy shit, we we haven't really hit the zenith of our deaths per day either. I think um. I think today there's around uh, 500 deaths in the U.S. All told. So you think once that grows, like people will start realizing, like, oh shit, I need to stay at home. I hope so. I hope so. I, I feel like we will, but I'm, I'm not positive one way or the other. Um, there is a lot of anti-scientific rhetoric going on. And I think that that is very dangerous. There's a lot of people that are still saying, oh, it's no worse than the flu. Oh, it's like a bad cold. Oh, it's not that bad. But the flu has around a 0.001% death rate, a fatality rate. And the fatality rate of this virus is anywhere between like 1% and 7%. So that's that's a 1% chance of dying to a 7% chance of dying. Oh, my God. I didn't know it went up to 7 Holy shit. Yeah, that's it's it's pretty intense. Um, and I mean, if even just 1% of every plane crashed <laughs> every day, just <laughs> would you fly? Fuck no. <laughs> like you have to you, look at like that. Yeah, it's like if I give you a revolver and there's like one <laughs> bullet in there. And I'm like, hey man, put this to your head and pull the trigger. But it's only 7% chance it might blow your brains out. Would <laughs> yeah, you pull exactly. that trigger, you know? <laughs> It doesn't matter what the benefit is. You're not going to do it if the outcome is death. And so we have to look at it like that, like we're every single person in the United States, because there's a lot of people that can't make these decisions, you know, about, you know, whether or not they remain open, the people who are at risk, that is, about whether or not they go to their jobs or not. And so they'll be forced to go to work and be exposed to this virus and then potentially, you know, carry it home to their family members who are at risk or they themselves are at risk. It's just not ideal. Yeah, and all these young people be like, ah, I don't care. It's not gonna it's not gonna kill me. And then you give it to your grandma. <laughs> now grandma's dead. <laughs> exactly. And consequences of your actions. hmm Well, man, I mean, uh, very great input, man. I mean, and uh I think I'm gonna end this pretty soon and uh but sure. You know, thank you for being on, man. Uh, great stuff. I mean. Excellent. I really appreciate you having me, Streaming Joy. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, this is some crazy shit. Like like I said, I had no idea about the SNS, the Strategic National Supply. And, like, there's a lot going on, man. There is. There's a lot of systems that we have in play that are trying to keep us safe. And so if they were used correctly, they'd be working phenomenally. But they aren't, so they aren't. So just a little, little mistakes here and there, but uh, I mean, uh, great attitude, man. You you really bring hope, you know. Uh, most people are. I'm, I'm glad like, I can bring hope. Most people are like, we're all gonna die. Everybody's lying to us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, it's hard to believe the media or or the government. I mean, but I mean, you just gotta just think it rationally and just hope you know it's not as bad as you think it is and or we think it is and people stay at home yep follow correct procedures and you'll be fine and then uh you know in case it turns into a zombie apocalypse just load up your guns <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Awesome, man. Well, like I said, man, thanks again. Thank you very much for being on. Yeah, thank you for having me on. All right, man. Peace. All right. Peace. everyone thanks for tuning in and if you'd like to support this podcast you can find me at anchor.fm slash screaming chewy gmail.com there'll be three options for a monthly subscription first one i believe starts at a dollar a month yo yeah dollar a month yeah and if you don't want to that's cool you can follow me on facebook and youtube screaming chewy show for some memes some more videos for episodes and behind the scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy, so I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.